we should be live. So we have um, Jonathan is uh, staying up in the mountains. Greg up was here this Shabbat, but was listening online from home last week. I don't know if he's going to be listening this week. Jonathan is already online with us. I can see him. Uh, actually, that is a little teeny weeny picture of Jonathan with his beard and hat. Very cool, Jonathan. I'm missing you already, bud. Uh, Gregory, of course, this is his last uh, his last night uh, class night at home with his wife and new son. So uh, I beg your pardon. Yes, Dolly, you have your son. Uh, his uh, his wife and uh, Eva, his new daughter. So they'll be uh, they'll be listening online. He's not online yet, but he will be. And uh, who's that? as much as you can at night, yeah. Yeah, I've gotten used to it. Yeah. It's really chill. I like driving at night. There's something about it that's just really cool. Having the headlights on and the dash lit up. Yeah. yeah. Just that's good. That's good. No. Oh. 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 Who bought his ankle? Twisted his ankle. Mr. Stuff. Josiah? Mm -hmm. Ouch. Was this the... Um, the boxing club he's in, or the football team. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Boxing? Football. Football. Yeah. Oh, boy. No. I can, right. I can see him doing football. So I can see that we've got uh, Jonathan online, but I still don't see Gregory. We still have to see what's going on with Gregory. Or Brock. It is his last night before he goes back to work. You know, it is. He goes back to work on Wednesday, but he did say he would be listening online. So you never know. He could be on a mobile app or something like that. All right, so um, we pick up our storyline at the end of Acts 21, so let's go there. And uh, I think we're picking up in uh, 37. Uh, if someone wants to uh, read for me. 37 to the end? Uh, yeah, that, I think that'll work, yeah. As Shaul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then, who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the Assyri assassins out into the wilderness? All right, let's hold there for just a second, if I could, Scott. Mm -hmm. I want to bring up a couple of things that you might not have realized if you aren't reading the original language. Um, first off, just from any language, what can you assume about the language that Paul was speaking to the Roman? It was Aramaic, I assume. Not, not Greek. Roman. He was speaking Roman. Roman. There is no Roman. 
I'm sorry, I don't know what the language is. Greek. 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 Well, the, the common yeah. language was Greek. The legal language in court would have been Latin. Mm. Um, then you've got the... Uh, uh, common language, Aramaic. The Aramaic, which would be... Business trade. Yeah, of less thing. than, you know, the, the common people would be speaking Greek. Why would this guy say, do you know Greek? Presumably because he asked him the question in Greek? I think so. He asked him, wait a second, you know... You know, Greek, I, I didn't think you spoke Greek because I thought you were the Egyptian who led these guys out into the wilderness. I'm sorry, you mixed me up with Moses. That's right, yeah. You, you've obviously mistaken me with someone who is <laughs> exactly. a rebel. That's not moi. And these guys who just grabbed me here, yeah. I'm not as righteous so, as Moses. I think, the, I think that's cool because we're going to see just a little bit later that Paul's going to deliberately speak again and do it in a different language. Uh, I think we're going to see that Jewish is not a language, Roman is not a language. Both of you need to really get on the horse here. Um, verse 40, uh, we're going to get to in a second, and you'll see that. Um, but the other thing I wanted to point out was assassins. Who has assassins in, uh, in verse 38? Assassins? Uh, is there anybody who doesn't have assassins? You got assassins over there? 38. Led the assassins, 4,000 men of the assassins. Yeah, I have terrorists. Terrorists, yeah. So, that word's not there. Okay. What word is there? No word. There is no word there. 4,000 men out of the wilderness. Yeah. It's kind of weird. So, it would say, led 4,000 men. men out into the desert. Okay. There wasn't, where are they getting, because the, like, um, is that a, an addition? Uh, mine isn't showing italics or anything that say it's an additional word. It's not there. It's not in the Greek. Yeah. Scary, eh? So it actually says, are you not the, you not uh, the Egyptian then who recently, recently stirred up, up a revolt, revolt and led 4,000 4, men out, out into, into the, the wilderness? wilderness. Which you assume are the assassins or terrorists or Muslim fundamentalists or redneck southerners, whatever it may be. But yeah, the word assassins and the whole thing is not in the text. Pray, proceed. Shoal replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. Now, if you were the Roman soldier... And he just addressed you in Greek. What would you expect him to speak? In what language would you expect him to speak to the people? Greek. Greek. Sure. And when he had given him permission, Shaul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language. Saying? Yeah, go ahead. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. All right, so a great hush. What's more quiet than a great hush? A greater hush. A greater hush. That's exactly the right answer. Yes, indeed. All right, so he is going to make his defense. So by way of uh, 
reminder, what was he being, of what was he being accused? Bringing um, Gentiles into the into the temple. The temple yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Which I don't think the Romans know at the moment what he's being accused but of. But he's not talking to the Romans. He's talking to this crowd of right. Jews who just dragged him out and started beating him to death. All right. So, quick question here. Um, if you mentioned that Aramaic is more like the standard Middle Eastern language here, I mean, to see Yeshua repeatedly uses Aramaic in, at least it's translated that way in, in the Gospels. So the question I would have here is, if he's using Hebrew, would that almost be like the religious language of the day? I'm no. just wondering, like... No, you would never use Aramaic if you wanted to speak to a crowd. If you wanted the language that everyone would speak, it would be Greek. What I'm saying is, it's interesting, like, it says that they, they became even more quiet when he was speaking in the Hebrew. Well, he's speaking to Jews. But that's, that's what stands out to me, is he was in the temple. I wouldn't see, in my mind, I wouldn't be that surprised that a Jewish guy in the temple speaks Hebrew. That wouldn't shock me that much, unless Hebrew is not a language that everyone is using all the time. Okay, so I, I, I see where you're going, and I think you're on the wrong track. Okay. With, with all respect. I I may be wrong. Jump in if, 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 you, if you've studied and, and see this differently. But it's my take that the languages are the key to this whole passage. The Roman is shocked that he speaks Greek. Wait a second. Now he thinks he's a different man that he pre-thought him to be. So that's your first, whoop, wait a second. Same thing with Paul being dragged out. He's outside the temple now. He's surrounded by Jews who are all upset that he brought a Greek into the temple. So he doesn't respond in Greek. He now speaks to the Jews in Hebrew, and they're like, well, wait a second. Well, he, he's got to be one of us. It's just let's say that. And it causes them to quiet down even more than just if you were some... Greek guy. Either way, yeah, no, it does. And I think that, I understand what you're saying. I, I think that um, at the same time, on top of that, we see from Acts chapter 2 that Jews all over the world are speaking a plethora of languages. Sure. So, um, but Hellenistic Jews, by definition, normally don't know Hebrew. However, for us to bring Acts 2 into Acts 22 is anachronistic. Well, I'll just say that as a context, like globally, Greek is the common language. The fact that he's speaking Hebrew, I guess what I'm thinking is that sounds like someone who spent a significant amount of time either in the land of Israel or in some sort of training or School. education. Because he wouldn't both, have learned Hebrew. Both either. of which he did. Right, both of which he did. Nor was he a Hellenistic Jew. Right, and so those things make him stand out because that... I'm saying it's because he's speaking Hebrew, they automatically would yes. be assuming that he has is more conservative or whatever religious than you might otherwise think, simply based on that fact. Potentially. Like, now, do you Peter spoke Hebrew? Well, he, yeah. yeah really? But he grew up in Israel, the land of Israel, which is, I think is different. Okay. I'm saying it's like... Even in the Galilee. Even in the Galilee. Okay. He would have spoke, or maybe at least some sort of Arabic so, brand. So Paul could have just been in that crowd. Well, that's fine. But it's kind of like today, if you have a, um, you know, if you've got a, a Jewish man who speaks Hebrew, 
speaks Hebrew, that person you assume to be Israeli. Sure. So if you're, which automatically puts them in a different box than a North American Jew. My Agreed. point. Agreed. So he fits in with people who are here. Who are trying to beat him who up. Who are trying to beat him up. Yes, I agree. He's part of their group, their yes. club. He, and, and I think that's what they realized. It's like, oh, wait a second. Maybe we're beating on the wrong guy. Did some guy slip out and, <laughs> and we ended up beating on this guy? Where is that Egyptian? That's a, yeah, that assassin guy. I'm looking for the terrorist fellow. How did you get up here? With the scar on his face. I'm a bit confused about that appearance identity. I mean, I understand if you, maybe the language, but Egyptians were very clean-shaven, uh, more of a, um, from the line of Ham, descendants, a lot darker. How could he physically have misconstrued an olive-skinned Jew from a Mitzrayite, an Egyptian. That's what well, I don't understand, especially if you have the whole but long it's not, beard. But it's not that way. It's not that way. It's not that way. And he doesn't have a long beard because he just shaved everything off. Oh, okay. But I, I think it's like assuming that all Italians have dark hair, my color eyes, and my color skin. They do from the middle of Italy down, maybe even three quarters of Italy down to the bottom, but not the top. The top third of Italy is blue-eyed, blonde-haired guys, because you know you're bumping into the Sweden stuff and everything above that. So I, I don't think that all Egyptians were that way, and even that day, hard to tell. I mean, even the Roman guy mistook him for at least the leader of this Egyptian band. So. Anybody who's marching off into the wilderness with a group of people is probably going to be a little bit um, off the uh, the normal. And tanned, no doubt. Uh, probably. Uh, his clean shaven was a good point. <laughs> I wonder if, I mean, if he's not really paying attention to people shaving for their vowels and all of a sudden this shaven guy is out there, maybe he's thinking, oh, Egyptian. What happened to this guy's beard? He doesn't have a beard. He can't be Jewish. <laughs> Right? Because it was afterwards. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. So. Right. Are you uh, still being the reader? Not to do. Du jour. Go. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Shaul, Shaul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Yeshua of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now these who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise, go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. Yeah, let's hold there. Let me back up and make sure I've, I've got something clear so you don't think that your Bible is uh, uh, errant or fallible, uninspired. 
Um, I would say it's inspired. His Bible has terrorists. I would say it's inspired. And the rest of ours have assassins. And it's because his comes from the Textus Receptus, and ours comes from the Greek New Testament. And the Textus Receptus has a word that is best translated, not as assassins, but as terrorists or murderers. I think terrorists in our day and age are probably better, but murderers is, is really, you know, they're, they're killing people, right? So Islamists might work depending on, you know, what your belief is, but that's the deal. That's why you don't have it, and there's no Greek behind it in a version that comes from the from the, uh, from the Greek New Testament or uh, Nestle Alum 27. You're running the same issue if you're looking at the NASB versus the New King James. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, I just wanted to point out that um, he hasn't been interrupted yet, and he just told a crowd of Orthodox Jews in Jerusalem that um, Yeshua spoke to him. Mm -hmm. And I just, again, I know we're going to talk about this, the reason why they get upset with him later, but... Right, just so they didn't get upset at this point. They didn't get Go upset ahead. at this point. I just want to point out that at this time, at least, in the first century, my dad has said this before, Yeshua's not the dividing line. That's right. He's not the reason why the, the religious leaders have an issue with the way. He's not a reason why the religious Jews keep chasing Paul out of the different towns he goes to. Um, at some level, at this, especially in this era, in the first century, um, a bunch of people following Yeshua's Messiah is like, join the club. You got your Messiah, we've got somebody else over here, there's the scenes are over off in the wilderness by themselves, you know, whatever. We've got so many different sects right now, we're losing count of them. So, there's not, they might be considered weird, maybe, but there's apparently thousands of them in Jerusalem, so they're actually, um, considerably more acceptable to Judaism then than they are now. Exactly. No question. And I think it's a great point to bring up that they don't have a problem yet with what he said. And you need to remember that the word Lord, which in Hebrew would be Adoni, here Kurios, does not necessarily reference any kind of deity. Right? This is, this is he's being uh, polite. Right? So, so far, everything he's heard, everything they, he said, yep, we don't have any problem with that. We're going to just keep listening to what you got to say. So as we, as we continue, let's see what it is that uh, you know, caused them just to go to, They don't have a problem, but, you know, if Yeshua is supposedly dead, is that not a form of necromancy that he's just testing to, which is, again, breaking the Torah? Mm. I don't think I would necessarily go with necromancy there. Judaism has a, and granted it's a little anachronistic because I'm saying um, Midrashic stories that aren't probably written after this, but mm. they have a lengthy relationship with Eliyahu. I mean, Eliyahu shows up everywhere. Eliyahu's here, Eliyahu's there, Eliyahu's taking us to go see this, he's over here in the, in the ruins of the, the temple. Ruins of the temple. Yeah. You know, he's going to show up one day for the, the Pesach Seder. Eliyahu is... Um, routinely seen in Jewish Midrash. The idea of someone who was dead possibly reappearing to speak for some reason, um, independent of a seance type thing, um, I don't think is really such a big problem. Um, obviously, using medium is counter to Torah. So I don't think, but I think in this case, 
In fact, actually, your comment is, is well put, though, because I think this is one of the primary reasons why Paul's later argument with the Pharisees and Sadducees works so well, because that's the issue. He's claiming someone who died is talking Let's about Let's wait. But we'll get to that in a minute. That's right. Tom. I was going to kind of refer to that and wonder if it was mostly Pharisees in the crowd. Possibly. The Pharisees were by far the more popular of the groups. The Sadducean block was more of the either the priests and also more of the more upper class. So The way that Luke's writing here and writes before and after this, I get the impression... These are regular, worshiping Jews. It's not the religious leaders. It's right. it's not the, the and they're the okay leaders. with stories of These supernatural are stories. Absolutely, because I mean that's that's what they're into. Yeah, because it's normal for them to come sooner. Well, there it's it's not uncommon, like mm-hmm. Joshua was saying. It's mm-hmm. not uncommon to hear, you know, this this rabbi was walking with Elijah or. Um, you know, if we read the, the book of Daniel, which uh, is probably one of the most current um, writings prior to them, um, it's, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. You know, we're not looking at worshiping the guy. We're not looking at, you know, anything weird at this point. It's kind of, kind of ethereal. All right, so are we on 12? Yes. Let's, uh, let's do it. Oh, please. (laughs) And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me. And standing by me, said to me, Brother Shaul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, while you wait, rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Any problems so far from the crowd? No. I, I think to, to no, Josh's point, the fact that they're not freaked out by what, he, by what they just heard should be telling to us in, in the way Judaism reacts today or in, in what we've been taught in the church. Mm-hmm. Which I think reinforces the idea that Judaism's issue with Yeshua today has a lot more to do with the 2,000 years of baggage from Catholic Church and, you know, Nazis who are claiming Lutheran religion and so on, yeah. more so than their necessarily their theological objections to, to Yeshua. They may have some issues with the whole deity thing. Obviously, that's a big issue, but... Um, the remnant of them that are almost more emotional, knee-jerk reactions in light of the fact that, I mean, if you've ever been to Israel, all the churches are look like pagan temples. I mean, if you saw all that, you'd be thinking, oh, of course this Jesus can't possibly be the Messiah. But in a context prior to that, the Jews had no problem with him. Right. Exactly. Um, question, um, is there anything we can take out from in whose name he was to be immersed in? I mean, it doesn't look like it was Yeshua, the spirit. It looks like it was Adonai. According to mine, it actually says yod heh vav here. So I don't know if this um, they're in, interjecting that's who it is, but um, you know, you often hear that it, you know you need to be baptized in the name of the 
Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but I, I'm looking at the uh, the text, and to me, it, it appears to be pointing back to the righteous one. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking as well. To Yeshua. Uh-huh. Uh, well, it, they don't it, they don't know that at this point, right? Well, the God of our fathers appointed you to know His will to see the righteous one. It's talking about who he saw the vision of, which would be Yeshua, and to hear a voice from his mouth, it'll be a witness for him. I, I don't. Right. I don't know that. I, I think you've got a non sequitur there. I, I don't. I don't disagree with you, but I think from the text, it's a non sequitur, because if you didn't know what we know, that you you've been appointed to know His will. To see the righteous one. When you say the righteous one, who are you talking about? Yeah. Right? They would think the God of the, the God of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Exactly, right? And to hear a voice from his mouth. Which has got to be the coolest thing since sliced bread, right? So there it is. So we don't I don't I don't think you can inject Yeshua in here. I think certainly it would flow. We would understand it to be the case, but I don't think they get that yet and they're about to. Yeah, they they may not get it, but that's what I, I mean. That's what right. But that was Paul's Absolutely. That's who he was referring Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah, yes, indeed. Right. I just don't think that... Yeah. I, I think they're they're just following along. This is just like your normal... Like you're saying, almost Midrashic type stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can go with this. I mean, this sounds like everything else goes here. You know, these guys are always doing this stuff. Yeah. All right. What are we, 17? Mm-hmm. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. And saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And then that's yeah. They, so I, I think you know Joshua has said this last week, and, and he's pointed it out this week. What's what's the big deal for the Jews? What's the big deal? Apparently, at the very, the very last thing he said to the Gentiles, huh. because it's it's that we can have a place that being Jewish. Isn't the be all and end all. If you're Jewish, to have a place in the world to come is not what the Torah teaches, but rather all those who call upon the name of the Lord, as he's just alluded to, but they didn't get. Mm-hmm. And there we go. I think this is actually even more intense than that because what does he say? He says, Leave Jerusalem, which would be the center. Yeah, of there, the there's a religion. problem, right? Yeah. Leave Jerusalem and go to the Gentiles. I, mean, I was trying to think about that, like how that would sound today. That contextually, it'd be almost as though Messiah told, you know, Billy Graham, stop preaching to Southerners, the white people, because they <laughs> reject me. Go to the Muslims because they'll hear me. I mean, emotionally, yeah, that should rile you up a little bit. Yeah, that's what they're hearing. They're hearing you a rejected Messiah. <laughs> So he's moving on, so to speak. I didn't see that. Which is pretty intense. I mean, that's a really strong statement. Um, now, Paul uses it because Paul's trying to explain why he's preaching the Gentiles. He's, it's on mission for Mashiach. 
you know. But and, and it's not an, an out of question from um, the the Tanakh, and we already get this uh, repeatedly. There's this idea, almost like of God saying, like, "Look, I'm coming to send my people to come and tell you to repent. If you don't listen to them, eventually they're going to stop talking." Well, not only that, but the Pharisees are making converts. Right. I mean, why are there so many Gentiles on the Temple Mount? But I do think that the the use of the term Gentile is telling. He doesn't say go to make converts. He says go to the Gentiles. They already are assuming, based on the previous argument, why they dragged him out of the Temple in the first place, <laughs> that he's involving Gentiles in ways that are not kosher. kosher. Right. So, no, I, I get that. All I'm saying is the idea of going to Gentiles and giving them the gospel right. or or drawing them closer to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is not the problem. It's that they don't have to come to God by becoming Jewish. Right. And to just go far away to the Gentiles implies he's not bringing them back to us, which is what Yeshua was saying about the Pharisees, that they would send a guy across the planet, the other side of the sea, just to make one convert. And... The idea would be he's converting and coming back here, making sacrifice, and blah blah blah. Right? And the and the, I think the other thing that really highlights this, to your point, there is a component of uh, the world to come mm-hmm. element here, but there's also a deeper component. I think it's hard for us to accept to appreciate rather, um, and that is the challenge of the specialness of the Jewish people. Paul's never going to challenge that. He's not trying to. But when you start to say that Gentiles can be part of the family of God without becoming Jewish, it undercuts. It implies that you're no longer as special. Right. And if the only way to have a place in the world to come is to become Jewish, and now there's another way, that's a big deal. Right. No two ways about it. I just want to pause for just a second before we go forward uh, and make sure two things. One, Gregory... Good to see you online. And two, Jonathan, di- did we answer your question about that? In Greek word, it says Hebrew tongue and not Aramaic tongue. Uh, I don't know what you're saying there, so help He's me. He's asking understand. when the says he spoke to them in Hebrew. Yeah. Which, what's the what does it say in Greek? Because I actually have it could be Aramaic in my note on my text. There's a way to Damascus. How many, where am I looking for? Uh, beginning of chapter 23, uh, so it's chapter 22, 22. Last verse, yeah, verse 21, right? Yeah, or for or second verse of 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Hebrew, the Greek there is Hebrace, it is definitely Hebrew. Hmm. So you wrote, but you know Greek. Does it show Hebrew over Aramaic? Yes, it's Hebrew. Here you go. Okay, we got that out of the way. Thank you, Jonathan. All right. So, Joshua, do you think that uh, do you think that Paul is right? Do you think that all men everywhere can have a place in the world to come by believing in Yeshua rather than converting to Jesus? Yes. I fully support that. So what do you think about the guys that convert to Judaism? Is it a shortcut, an end run? Football. 
from the Zona shortcut because it's without believing in Yeshua, there is no way to heaven. Without believing God, you can become a Jew, you can become convert to Judaism. Yes, but it's a better way to say it. Thank God, there is no salvation. Uh, the devils believe and tremble. Sorry, I didn't know that. Well, it's biblical. I'm, I'm sorry. We haven't gotten to it yet, but we will. Is it belief? Um, is it faith? Yes. Faith. Well, is it faith in God? Is it belief in God? Or is that just short of the the end zone? I got you. Hang on. Faith. Faith in what? That God will. Uh, I want to say absolve, but that doesn't sound right. It's Catholicism. It works. Go absolve ahead. Absolve you from your sin. Okay. For what payment? For on what basis? In what universe is that going to happen? You just ask him. No, you have to have faith that he will do it. He will do it. He will do. Gosh, this is heated. Take your time. Stop squirming, Shorty. You're next. <laughs> this is crucial. Yeah, I you have to be able to articulate it. And you threw in God, and that's where I'm 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 getting a speed bump. The Jews believe in God. Yeah. And the Jews believe that God will save them from their sins. God will do that. How will he do that? The Jews in that day were believing. Tshuva. If I do tshuva, I will be forgiven. Okay. So maybe that works if you've been chosen by God and already have a relationship with him. Does that work for you? I mean, you're about as far away from Judaism as you can get. I mean, you're you're here with plain white bread. You know what I mean? No. He's not Jewish. You're not Jewish. So how does that work for you? There's one critical component you're leaving out of this whole faith thing. What is it? I'm not sure. That is an outstanding answer. It takes a lot of courage to say that. What's he missing? I would say what my dad has a very close relationship. If if it's not if, if like if you believe yeah, yeah. if you believe yeah. that, that he is He's the rewarder of those who seek him. Exactly. So there we go. So the if there is the the key component that I believe, I mean there's many different answers to this question. Really? But I think well I'm I'm not is there really sure. Really uh, true answers? Mm-hmm. I mean, oh crud, now, now I'm getting into this, now I'm just digging my own grave. Um, no, no, no. What I think it would, would Now, be, do we care what you think? <laughs> what I assume? Well, I don't I want guess. you to assume either. What does that book in front of you say? You're right on track. Drive on, man. You're, you got it. Go. Come on. What I think it is, is a closest relationship with God. My yes. dad has a very strong relationship with God. Yes, yes. Will that save him? Does that give him a place in the world to come? It does give him a place to world to come, as long as he believes that he, that <laughs> that he who seeks will find. How do you gain the relationship? 
That you'd have to go. Um, I'm... You're doing good. You're doing good. All right. My hands are getting sweaty. Wow. Come on, Shorty. Tell them what are they missing? What's the key component that both of them are missing? Both of, everything that both of them have said is exactly correct. They're just missing one piece. What is it? Are you sure? There we go. Thank you very much. Yes. If you have a really close relationship with God, God. that's great. How do you get that really close relationship with God? That goes, you if have, you have faith, if you believe God will give you a place in the world to come, how is he going to wipe away your sins? How is he going to... Up, you, you have sinned, right? At least once. Just check. So how is he going to overlook your sin? He can't be all just and all loving at the same time unless his justice is placated. How does that happen? Through the blood of his son. Without the shed blood of Messiah, there is no forgiveness of sin, and therefore there is a wall, as much as we don't want it to be there, between us and God. Your father has a really, really sold-out relationship with God. I agree with you. But that didn't happen in a vacuum, and God didn't allow that relationship without there being some propitiation, that's today's word, for his sin. Somebody had to pay the price. If you've seen National Treasure, somebody's got to go to jail, Ben. And the master did. But, and, the, and then along to that extent, as Gentiles... You were doubly lost. Whoa, yeah, when we so, get to Ephesians, I mean, gee whiz. When you read, when you read the, the, what is it, the Midrash that has the quote from Moses says, what are you going to, asks God, what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm going to take gone. a righteous one. And he says, I'll take a righteous one um, on, their behalf. on their behalf. So we see that Yeshua, we know already from scriptures, but then, you know, Judaism also teaches the idea of Mashiach being a part of the um, atonement for the Jewish people, where there's a disagreement here, and where there's disagreement still with Judaism today, is that Mashiach is um, key to Gentiles joining the faith as well, because as Paul will point out in Ephesians, as we'll get to later, you have absolutely no shot. I mean, you know, uh, Joshua's quoting, mentioning the word repentance, I think someone else pointed here recently that teshuva means to return. If you're a pagan Gentile, you have How you, what nothing you to return to. to. Yeah. You you were never here in the first place. That's right. So, um, you know, Paul says it very clear. You are without God, without hope, cut off from the promises. You got nothing. A stranger and, and to, I think, the, to the covenant. And that's why um, Paul makes it very clear in the book of Romans, as we already read, like that humility needs to be there. Yeah. It's like you got no right to be here. That's if right. it wasn't for the greatest Jew ever giving himself up for you, you would have nothing. Everybody on the same sheet of music? Yes, sir. Cool. You know what I mean? Since you've got this whole relationship with God that your son knows about. <laughs> he really does. He really does. We're in Acts 22, 22. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they received, then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. For he should not be allowed to live. That's 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 pretty over the top. Kill him. This is pretty much the same kind of phrasing that we had 
when Barabbas was brought out with Yeshua, right? And this, the, the plants in the crowd stirred him up, shouting this same kind of deal, right? So it's, it's almost a parallel. Pretty cool. Go ahead, Samir. I beg your pardon. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, yes. And the tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, I'm a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. Okay, so bond moment. Yeah, I tried to bring this out in the study guide, but I, I'm just... I have always thought of Paul as uh, I, I don't know how to put it, but uh, not a remarkable guy. Someone who could give a, a good sermon. Um, maybe wasn't you know very well put together with regard to his clothing and/or his physical appearance. Obviously, he had something going you know, a hip thing and cause him to limp. It could be a pussy eye, the person I would hate. Um, could be a constantly running nose. Don't know. Um, but he's never been really impressive to me other than his absolute willingness to speak the truth about Yeshua at all costs, even to the point where we saw he gets stoned to death and then gets up. And goes back into the same city where the guys are that just stoned him to death. I mean, so he's got chutzpah. But this, this James Bond moment, pretty amazing to me that they stretched him out for the whips. And he doesn't cry out. He doesn't scream. He just says very nonchalantly to the centurion, as if, you know, he's all stretched out. He just kind of turns his head and says, is, you know, is it legal for you to do this to a Roman citizen? I'm just wondering. You know, just checking it out. Anatadzo. Uh, Anatadzo is the, the word here, which means to examine by torture. Simple as that. Let's examine him. That's tough. So... Can we call that enhanced interrogation today? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's the, this is the waterboarding opportunity here. So, uh, did you catch the, the difference? It wasn't that they were about to beat him, which would be really horrible, but they tied him up. That's That's like Wait a second, you want to come into my house and search my house? You have a warrant? You 
You don't have a warrant? You can't come into my house. Or they throw you in jail. What did uh, Abraham Lincoln suspended? Habeas corpus. Habeas corpus. Right? You could be jailed without being charged with a crime. It's just, you can't do that. It's not possible to do that in America to an American citizen. Now, unfortunately, we're seeing of late, it really doesn't matter whether you're an American citizen. Everybody on the planet seems to get the same cool stuff that we get as American citizens, but that's not the way the Constitution is written. If you're an American citizen, you're on top shelf. You get some stuff that nobody else on the planet gets. Mm. So, and by the way, habeas corpus didn't always apply. I mean, if you were Japanese ancestor Oregon back in World War II, you were going to a camp. Which was absolutely a, an elimination of habeas corpus that I think is absolutely unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody now would agree with it. Mm -hmm. I just knew that the first time it happened was Abraham Lincoln, and I knew his father had told me, so I knew he knew. All right. I just wanted to point out here um, that sometimes it's so easy in the book of Acts to lose track of Paul's personality um, he's so well spoken he seems to keep his cool in the midst of these crazy violent situations this is a feisty dude oh yeah I mean you know you read the book of Corinthians and you kind of get this whoa this, he's pretty intense maybe he's just intense in writing you know like one of those you know bloggers that can be all ranty and ravey but mild mannered in person Paul um just as you point out, he's cool. He he's let chill. them tie him up. But then he let them stretch him out before he mentions he's a citizen. He doesn't <laughs> say, whoa, 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 where are you going with that rope? Hold on. I'm a, Ro <laughs> a Roman citizen. Are you nuts? You can't do that to me. He didn't do any of that. He lets them do it. But what does that do? Leverage. Ooh, They're in his death that's now. The word. That's the word. He's got leverage with them. Because. They didn't check. Yeah, at first oh, okay. they think he's an Egyptian assassin. It turns out he's a Roman citizen. Wow. And, and we see this, a similar approach in the next section with the Sadducees and Pharisees. And I just say, it just reminds me that you know, this is the same guy that got into a really intense argument with Barnabas over yeah. what to do about um, Mark. Mark. John Mark. Uh, John Mark. This is the same guy who... Um, they parted company on that. Yeah. Although, hopefully it does appear based on some other texts. Maybe they got back together. Yeah. Again, but... He, um, this is a guy who does let, let it fly in some of his letters, um, and that's still the same person who's here. You know, God chose him because he was someone, as you, to your point, was willing to speak the truth yeah. at any cost. Yeah. And that personality also means that he's, um, he's, a, he's a strong personality, but, but he's also but wise. I, but he I to understand the, the wisdom well. is out here because I see a confidence. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, you know, he plays it beautifully. And he, he, he gets all stretched out and then kind of quietly says, uh, you know, are, are you allowed to do this to a Roman citizen? Are you allowed to charge that much for postage? I'm not sure about that. You know, it, And I think it demonstrates a confidence that he knows God has orchestrated all this. I don't know that he knows how it's going to work out step by step. I think he knows the end big time. Mm -hmm. But he's willing to go with the flow because he knows that God's orchestrating it. To me, this passage of all other passages in the Bible show me more of a man who believes in the sovereignty of God and that he orchestrates, doesn't just allow, but actually causes and orchestrates what happens in our lives.
Paul obviously believes that. And he's actually willing to work with it. And I think Paul, uh, Peter does the same thing uh, when he's thrown in prison. Same thing. So, good, 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 uh, good discussion here. Where, uh, where are we at? Where, how far do we get? Thirty. All right. Who else wants to read? All the way. Go, sir. But on the next day, wishing to know for certain why he had been accused by the Jews released him and ordered the chief priests and all the council to assemble and brought Paul down to set him before them. Paul, looking intently into council, said, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. The high priest Ananias commanded those standing by him, beside him, to strike him on the mouth. Why? Because they thought he was speaking heresy? Heresy. Treason. Treason. Keep going. You'll, you'll get the word in a minute. Persecuting? No. Uh, I've never sinned, Josh, but what do you think of that statement? Oxymoron. No, that's right. It's a lie. It. All right. Or, um, I have a good conscience before God is pretty much saying the same thing, right? That if, if I have sinned, I've, I've followed the, tr the Torah and I've fixed it, I've made amends, right? So, if what's the high priest thinking? What's that? Blasphemy. Something's wrong. Because if what you're saying is true, why would you be standing here, brought in by the Romans, and be called in front of the council? Right? We've, we've got some kind of hypocritical thing going on. Something's not lining up. It's unclear how well the Jewish grapevine is working here yeah but based on this i get the impression that ananias knows who paul is i think he does and if you remember we've already seen this guy yeah one of our favorite characters yeah right so ananias you remember caiaphas that's ananias's son-in-law and then ananias became the high priest again and he was passing it back and forth between he and his sons and sons-in-law and so forth for a period of 30 years all completely inappropriate. So yeah, we've seen this guy. And he's ultimately, he and his son end up in the story of the sham trial of Yeshua. So, Well, let me ask you this. Really leading who, it. who gave the letters to Paul to go to Damascus uh. and tie everybody up and bring back to Jerusalem in chains? Anybody who was in the way, who gave him the letters? Remember the high priest, but I don't The know. high priest and... It was the high priest and the Sadducees, right? But it was the religious leaders on the on the high priest's side. So Paul, raised as a Pharisee, studying under Gamaliel as a Pharisee, switched camps and is now working with the high priest and the Sadducees, the priestly sect, right? These are not true priests. These This is the Hasmonean folks. So... It's probably Ananias or his son-in-law or both of them, because they're both high priests, that gave Paul the letters in the first place. All right, let's keep going. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Do you sit to try me? 
according to the law and in violation of the law order me to be struck? But the bystanders said, Do you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I was not aware, brethren, that he was high priest, for it is written, Shall not speak evil of ruler of your people. So how do you how do you reconcile that with the fact that Ananias was the high priest? Well, this person says, Would you revile God's high priest? <laughs> I'm thinking, I don't think this is God's high priest. God would not so, have allowed him to be in that authority position unless he had allowed it. Yeah. I, we I, just I, went through that with Romans thirteen. I, Oh, I was going to say, I, 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 I see that Paul is quoting this passage, yeah. which I believe is actually a quote from Exodus. It's actually a Shemot, 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 22, 28. Thank you. This is 40 lashes minus one? No, the, no he's, well, he, 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 does, he does deal with the striking component. You're right. But to Alex's point, the quote, you shall not speak evil of the rule of your people, oh, that is one. actually yeah. a mitzvah in the Exodus. Yeah. In the list of all different rules. Yeah, but why doesn't he recognize the high priest? But I'm thinking is well, probably because the person changed so many times. He has well, again. So just to make sure you we're, weren't high priests last time I was in Jerusalem. Let's just make sure we got the timing frame. What 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 day are we talking about? What what year? Ish. Fifty fifty five, <laughs> right? Fifty fifty five. Okay. When was Yeshua crucified? Thirty ish. Thirty thirty five. Right? So you got a 20 year span going on here. Have you seen Scott Martin 20 years ago? Exactly what I said. Exactly. Me, on the other hand, much more handsome. <laughs> 20 years, long time. A lot of stuff going on. I think you've got uh, probably five years after the master, maybe less, where the way is causing. Troubles, probably less, and Paul is sent out. So it's probably a good 20 years since he may have seen this guy, but he may have been dealing with Caiaphas because Ananias was on sabbatical that year. Okay? So it, it all still fits. Oh. Do you think in some slick way he is sounding like he's apologizing, but... Really saying I don't recognize him as a high priest? I don't. I, 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 I think you could see it that way, but I don't see it that way. I think he was truly like, whoa, you're the high priest? <laughs> right. Now, I don't get why he wouldn't have known he was the high priest. Unless one thing is true. He must not have been wearing the right garb. Don't wear that garb. All the time. Right. With a chest plate. You don't wear that garb all the time. So the only way to know he's the high priest is, I would assume, where he's sitting or how they're fawning over him in some, some way. One would think if the guy can order you to be hit in the mouth, he's, he's got to be in charge of something. But maybe he didn't realize he was the high priest. Could have been just some schmo. Well, this reminds me, if you recall back to the story of David. So Saul is the God's anointed mm -hmm. as king. David is the anointed successor. But Saul's trying to kill him. Saul's not a good guy at this point in the story. 
But David still refuses to look to him. injure Saul, yeah. despite giving opportunities, specifically because he's anointed by God. Right. He has God's anointing on him. That makes him special. And that's exactly what it is. And that feels like this is so that... And but, he, think about, but the fact that he didn't know... Well, and I think the rotation helps because let's say Paul, last time he was in Jerusalem was probably, what, maybe five years ago based on his journeys through For Asia. any amount of time, I would say it's closer to 15 years. Maybe, yeah. Because it so, sounds like when the last couple of times he was there was, you know, just, like, okay, I got my bags, I've got your letters, I'm out of here. And he was gone. So in this case, it's possible that last time he was here, Ananias had given up the priesthood to Again. one of his people. Yeah. So Paul might very well have recognized Ananias, but, but knew thought he was the that last priest. time he was here, he was, you know... <clears throat> The high priest's father-in-law, which is nice, certainly has its perks, but nonetheless is not the high priest. Right. And so he's, again, this goes back to what I was talking about here, like, Paul's a feisty dude. Yeah. So he's incensed at this lack of justice from someone in the council, um, and but then realizes, I didn't realize, oh, he's high priest again. And I think this I think this is the closest you really get an apology from Paul. Um, yeah. And, right. he, and I think it's on purpose, because I think he's trying to clarify, look, I, I, I'm not... Don't don't assume that that's who I am. I'm I'm not well, trying to, to violate the court here. That was an accident. I would go further than that. I think what he's trying to do is back up to what he just said about himself in verse one. Mm -hmm. I I got a clear conscience. Now I've apologized because I, oh I didn't realize you're the high priest mm -hmm. because it says in the scripture blah 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 blah. Okay, so he's apologized and it's made clean, and I get it. You're the high priest. Okay, hit me in the mouth again if you want. You know, it's a. It's well, not, no, 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 but that doesn't negate the fact that the high priest broke Torah. Oh, true. No question about that, but not relevant to Paul. Well, certainly. But it's relevant in the context that Paul, at that moment, concept conceived that this guy wasn't a high priest or didn't think it was. He didn't know he was. Yeah, but yeah. Now he, now he, right. he believes he is. Right. So. But then. Um, he also is not only trying to clear the conscience component, but by quoting from the Torah, it, this reminds me back of Stephen's defense, where he, you know, in order to tell him, make his defense, he basically recasts like the, all of Jewish history, um, which is intentional because he's trying to make a point. Like, look, I'm I'm one of you guys, really. I know this stuff. I'm not just some random guy who got pulled off the street and I got caught up in the emotional excitement of some cult. Right. I'm a religious Jew. And that I think that's, Paul, to your point, Paul trying to say yeah. here. Yep, yep. All right, Joshua, bring it home. I think we're going to 11. Okay. But perceiving that one group were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, Paul began crying out in the council. All right. This is not what he did when he was stretched out. Okay. This is kradzo, uh, to, to cry out or to exclaim and so forth. That's not what he did when they stretched him out. He just turned his head, James Bond. Are you allowed to do this to a Scottish man? <laughs> All right. Brethren, I'm a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I'm a child of hope and resurrection of the dead. As he said this, there occurred a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. And there occurred a great uproar, and some of the, some of the scribes of the Pharisaic party stood up and began to, argue, began to argue heatedly, saying, We find nothing wrong with this man. 
Suppose an angel or a spirit had spoken to him. And as a great dissension was developing, the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them, and ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force, and bring him into the barracks. When the night immediately following, Ananias stood at his side and said, Take courage, whereas you have solemnly witnessed my cause at Rishonim, so you must witness at Rome also. Very good. So uh, the word divided at the end of verse 7 is the word schizo, where we get schizophrenic, split personality. They're divided, they're split. And this is what a brilliant maneuvering tactic that you know, you'd expect to find in one of these you know, movies about a jury trial or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, he realizes that uh, most of the men on the jury are Republicans and most of the other guys are Democrats. So he says, I'm a Trump fan. And that's <laughs> it. It goes, oh, you know, hell in a handbasket. <laughs> oh, man. Unbelievable. That's a good illustration. Thank you. <laughs> but I was saying earlier, I, I think that he's, what I think is so brilliant about this is he's not just simply picking on the one thing that they most disagree on. It so happens to be that this is actually very important to his case. In, in fact... It's fundamental. He didn't it's make it up. Right. As uh, Mr. Gardner and I were mentioning earlier, he is, his whole claim, all of his legitimacy, is based on the fact that Yeshua rose from the dead and then spoke to him. On the road to Damascus. On the road to Damascus. Yes. The Sadducees would argue that none of that happened. Couldn't have. Paul ate a bad mushroom on his way to Damascus, whatever, but this didn't actually occur. The Pharisees are... are um, enjoined to argue on his behalf because they two reasons believe not only resurrection of the dead but also in um afterlife type beings i put that in one angels whatever what's the other one how did he open that he's a pharisee and the son of a pharisee i'm one of you and i'm on this is all about the afterlife what are you kidding it's about the afterlife well, we're with him. What are you guys doing? You're always messing with the afterlife. But this Man. is also an interesting tactic because um, the Pharisees, starting maybe maybe before this, but definitely after this, um, start to become much more on the side of the way against the Sadducees. And the example I think I mentioned before is the um, the murder of uh, James the Just. Yeah. Um, when the Sadducees kill him by throwing him off the temple, it's the Pharisees who go to Rome to complain yeah. about the injustice. They do it on behalf of the way. I mean, so that the relationship has changed. These are not, you know, back when Yeshua was around, there was this sort of love-hate relationship with the Pharisees. They sometimes liked him, sometimes had big issues with well, him, I tried would, to catch him doing I, some things he shouldn't have done. I, I would say there was a schizo in the Pharisaic part. Possibly right? too. So you had some Pharisees who were following around through the Galilee. You had some other Pharisees that didn't want to have anything to do with them. But by the time we've gotten to this point, I think the relationship between Pharisees and the way may have evolved, started to evolve. And certainly, five, ten years from, from this point, yes. the relationship has changed dramatically. Yeah. And it's kind of, an, unfortunately, it's climax. It's closest that it's going to be, well, maybe till today. Well, only because I think the 
the temple is destroyed, the Jews revolt, and it goes, you know, downhill from there. It probably could have dramatically changed history had that not happened. Right. Yes. How did that shift happen? Which shift? The shift the Pharisees Pharisees to to not be, or a, a faction of the Pharisees, to not be adverse to the way. Was it not when they recognized and said, look, if this movement is from God, there's nothing we can do to stop it. If it's not, it's going to die out. So, and we've, we've had over 20 years already. Right. Probably close to 30 years. Right. And it's still going. And growing. And growing. Mm. I think that was the turning point when, when, the, mm. when they recognized that. And mm. it's complete wisdom, right? If it's and it's, so- it's certainly possible that some of the wise men you're talking about were in that original council mm-hmm. when they said that, mm-hmm. or when Gamaliel exactly. said that, right? right? And now, 20, 25 years later, they're still coming together talking about the way. That's a good point. Plus, also, I think it helps again that the Sadducees are by far the arch enemy of the way in the and, and, and corrupt. And the reason is because they're corrupt. I mean, Yeshua doesn't particularly call them out. And yet, they try to kill him. It's not the Pharisees that sell him out to the Romans. It's the Sadducees. And the reason is they're terrified of what he means to their system. Hmm. So the way is a threat to... uh, It's a threat because of the potential... Well, let's let's, let's make sure we're clear that it's not a threat to the temple system. It's not a threat to what the Torah says to do. It's a threat to these illegitimate folks... That are running the well, temple. I mean, there's so many these political people that yeah, are running the temple. You bet. At the minimum, it's a threat because it's a messianic group, which implies, as point out, the potential for revolt. Ironically enough, it's not the way that revolts, but sure. nonetheless, the Sadducees, as we see, kind of had good reason to be worried about a revolution at this yeah. point. And and they came out really on the short end of the stick. To well, this they got wiped out in the end completely. Really. Yeah, so. and even if they didn't, they. They've got no power. They've got right. no place. They've got no position. As a political movement, they cease to exist. Yeah. <coughs> good, good, good. All right. Outstanding, man. Outstanding. If I didn't know better, I'd say you were the Book of Acts. Huh. Okay. But I hope that this this past couple of chapters, um, if you didn't know this already, has changed some of the view of Orthodox Judaism's relationship with Yeshua and with Messianics, that so much of the problems today are based on the history of the church and not and not the history of the first century. I think that's a good point. I think the second good point would be to understand what the Orthodox community was so upset with Paul about. Right. And it wasn't that Yeshua might have been God. It wasn't that Yeshua was raised from the dead. It wasn't that Yeshua could provide salvation. That was not the problem. The problem was Gentiles and their means of coming to a place in the world to come. Which is probably what makes the current situation so incredibly interesting. Ours. Ours today, because... The relationship between observant Gentiles who believe in Yeshua and the relationship with some religious Jews. We could we could potentially say with several 
Orthodox right. rabbis outside the land. And some in the land. And some in the land. Um, is, is becoming uh, remarkably warm. Palatable. Um, not probably unlike the relationship that the Pharisees had with the way yeah. around this time that we're reading about. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the crucial difference right now is we haven't yet gotten to the stage where the Orthodox Jews are having to ask serious questions about what to do with these Gentiles. Right. I've, there's I've just heard, not enough. There's just not enough of them in the relation. It's not, it's not, it's not um, pronounced enough because yeah. we're not really a... We're not players yet. Yeah. But I would argue, actually I would argue pretty strongly that no Gentile in the way I don't mean in the way, but in the way. <laughs> the walk. Yeah. Nobody, no Gentile spent any time with Pharisees. I think That's the members of the Pharisees that met members of the way were talking to priests, fishermen. Right. Well, we get that, right? The Pharisees yeah. in the way yeah. who were saying, these Gentiles are Hang a problem. Now. We got to yeah, like, convert them, you know? Yeah. So I think that what I'm saying is it makes it very interesting today. I mean, you listen to some of the things that um, Rabbi Gintel has said on his podcast. Um, there's a little bit of like, not really sure what to do with these people. Exactly. Whereas you've got another rabbi who maybe, you know, does a lot of circumcisions who is, you know, will sit with you and say, so why haven't you converted yet? I mean, what are you waiting for? You know, I'm, I'm willing to eat in your home, which is astonishing, you know, because you took the care and the time to, to make sure that it was kosher and sealed and ready for me. And I, you know, I'm more than happy to eat with you, which is a big deal. Right. Not just right. eat food that you provided, but to eat with you. Right. And that's, I think, you know, to your point, that's a, it's a big deal. But they're not quite where they were over here. But I think that that's what's so interesting is that the um, intensity the antagonism towards Gentiles, really, in the first century, seems absent to some degree today. There is definitely a dismissal. The antagonism that was back then. Yes. Where they kill you if you walk yes. through. Yeah. Is, the, yeah the, I agree. They will so kill me. The, right. No the, uh, so it seems like it's been dialed back somewhat. Mm -hmm. The, the uh, opposition is still there, most definitely. Right, right. But the antagonism is not. And that creates possibly an unprecedented opportunity for conversation that has never happened before. Well, because to, as we can to, see here, the conversation kept ending every right. time Paul but, would say that. But to, the, to, the, to one of our favorite rabbi's points, it's a sign that Mashiach is coming, that we actually desire to keep the, the Torah, and that the Jews, some of them, Orthodox, are fine with that. I, it's got, at the very least, it's historically unique. I agree. Revelation 1412. 1412. You got me. I could I could do 14:1 through 9, but 12, 12 <laughs> that's a little tough for me. Well, there's a verse in 12 also. I can't remember which. 12. It's the last verse in the chapter. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Yeshua. And Jonathan, who's listening online, I uh, had a conversation with Scott and I several Shabbats ago uh, during Oneg, 
Uh, Scott and I have always seen that as being a single group of people that keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Yeshua. Well, who is that? Well, Todd, that's you. That's Alex. That's Joshua. That's, that's everybody in this room. Right. But Jonathan's point was that while that may be true and is surely true, it may also represent two different people groups involved in those last days. Those who keep the commandments of God, which I would argue is only the Orthodox Jews or us, and those who hold to the testimony of Yeshua, which is going to throw the whole church into the midst. Well, this says, and their faith in Yeshua. So, I mean, if this is translated properly. Which now we know <laughs> is probably a... Yeah. If it's translated properly, it can't be two groups in this verse. Agreed. It's three times mentioned in the book of Revelations about this group. Yeah, one one was you know, but who can enter into the gate. Basically, those who kept the commands and the, um, hold to the testament. testament. And the other was where Satan was at, Roth, and he went after. That's that. The, okay. That's twice. That's I, I thought it was only twice. But to make war on the okay. offspring. On, on the offspring of the. Of the uh, that was the one we were talking about. That's what. Yeah, that's the. That's in verse twelve. Yeah, chapter twelve. It opens up with uh, what's what's the woman called? The woman, I guess. Yeah. The woman, right? And um, he can't get to the woman. Giving birth to the male child. He can't get to the woman. So and he can't get the male child. So he goes after the offspring of the woman. Her offspring. Her offspring, Mm -hmm. which is those who. Keep, keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Yeshua. Which I think, you know, grammatically, depending on what the Greek looks like, you could say there's two groups. Anyway, that was good. That was really good. Um, as I said last week, uh, we're probably going to blister through a whole bunch now. If there's no defenses that, that Paul's putting up, there's, there's not a lot of reason for us to spend a lot of time in the history. It's cool stuff, and I'm glad we're all reading it. Um, but we're probably going to move through a whole bunch of chapters so uh, I'll post that in the next day or so but obviously just start reading keep reading uh, 23 and Acts and we'll take it I think you've got you've been given a hint by God himself that Paul's about to head to Rome oddly enough he just got back right because he was right across the water from Rome he was that's where he wrote the book the letter to the to the Romans when we spent three years in, in Greece right Corinth, so um, he's he's heading right back there. So he rushed to get here so they could send him back there. And then there you go. All right, we shall call it a night, Mr. Martin. Would you be so kind? Is that a red uh, uh, iPhone cover there? You got that? Uh, Cover? Coca Cola? No, what is it? LSU? STL. STL. It's what the who? STL, big S little T. I got you. No, it's not Saint. No, no, not. (laughs) Because that would be Saint Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Pray for us if you would, sir. Father, thank you for the time we've had together tonight. Thank you for uh, preserving your word for us so Mm. we have the opportunity to to, uh, gain insight. And not for the sake of of, uh, of mere knowledge, but for the sake of knowing you better and being able to live in the manner that you've called us to. I pray that you bless us with a uh, fantastic rest of our week. 
bless our families. We pray these things in the name of Yeshua, our risen Savior. Amen. Amen. Amen.